Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terriel, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. And we have gotten into the thick of things. Like, the trades are flying furious. The draft is tomorrow as I record this, and free agency starts basically the next day. So the podcasts are going to be flying very quickly, probably at least three or four coming in the next uh, five days or so. And so we, ju- we just got to get to it. Like, we just, we just got to get to it. And we're going to start off today with five major trades uh, that went down, six major trades, I should say, that went down in the association. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to say other than let's get to these trades. So let's start off with uh, one of the more minor ones. And that was the, uh, the first trade, actually, that happened after the trade moratorium lifted and that was the Brooklyn Nets and the Pistons making a trade. So the Brooklyn Nets in this trade are getting Bruce Brown, and the Pistons are getting uh, Donzin Musa and the and the 2020 second round, 2021 second round pick, and that is coming via the Toronto Raptors. So this trade, one of the more minor ones uh, of the day, and we'll get into the major ones in a second here, but. Essentially, the Nets get their backup point guard in Bruce Brown, uh, somebody who has shown the propensity to uh, shoot the ball really well in catch-and-shoot situations, specifically from the corner, and can uh, defend on ball at a, at a very high clip. Obviously, Kyrie Irving not known as the best defensive uh, player, uh, so Bruce Brown being a uh, solid defensive backup guard I think is a nice get here for the Nets in, in terms of what they had to give up. Um, for the Pistons, you know, Musa to me... Um, you know, n- not necessarily a guy that I think uh, has much uh, pop to his game in terms of things that stand out. He doesn't seem to have any one uh, sort of special skill or talent that makes me think, like, if this develops, he could be a really valuable player. I think it was right to let um, him go at this point, especially uh, to get someone like Bruce Brown, which fills a need there for the Nets and cuts their salary tax bill a little bit. I think by like, uh, you know, I think uh, it shaves like 400K off the cap, but I think it takes a couple million off their luxury tax bill. And that 2021 second round pick via Toronto uh, seems to be like that pick will be, uh, you know, somewhere in the late 40s to 50s. Uh, given how well you know Toronto has built their roster over the past few years and continues to be a viable playoff team, doesn't seem to be like a valuable pick. So to me, the Nets won this trade. Um, I don't necessarily understand. Uh, I guess the Pistons are just trying to accumulate some draft assets to some bites at the apple in the second round there. And they didn't think Bruce Brown was necessarily a guy uh, that was going to be around for their future. So if that's the thinking, I guess I kind of understand it. But to me, I think Brooklyn did a better job here uh, filling uh, a need. And again, Bruce Brown uh, is going to uh, get guaranteed for about $1.6 million, And then he's a restricted free agent next year. Uh, so very, very small risk here for the Brooklyn Nets to bring on a guy that does uh, fill a need, in my opinion. Okay, next trade. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Oklahoma City Thunder have made a trade. And no, it is not for one Chris Paul. It is for one Dennis Schroeder. As the Oklahoma City Thunder are getting uh, Danny Green and the 2020, uh, their 2020 uh, first round pick, which is number 28 in this draft uh, via the Lakers. And the Lakers are getting Dennis Schroeder. So... From OKC side, they accumulate yet another first-round pick. I think this is up to number 17 for them. Uh, They just continue to stockpile uh, first-round picks and uh, bring up that war chest. Eventually, that's going to have to get consolidated for uh, some high-end talents. 
or for some even more premium picks in the uh, 1 to 10 range than they already have. But regardless, uh, they get another first-round pick and a guy in Danny Green who, should he play well, has a very big possibility to actually... Um, uh, to actually net another uh, set of draft picks, whether that be a couple of seconds, maybe a late first. If Danny Green shoots the ball well, he could definitely be had at the um, at the trade deadline midseason for uh, a contender, uh, especially on an expiring deal there at 15 million. I think that that is definitely a possibility. So it's one, so uh, number 28 in this draft for OKC and Danny Green, who most likely will net another first round, late first round or second round picks. And the Lakers got Dennis Schroeder. So the thinking here is that, you know, Danny Green slipped in the playoffs a little bit last year. You know, has lost a bit of a step defensively. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Definitely on the downside of his career at this point. Although he has been a crucial piece in three championships uh, to, uh, to his uh, to his name, which is a fantastic career, if I might add. But the Lakers are now getting Dennis Schroeder. More of an on-ball creator. A guy I thought it should have won sixth man of the year last year. Um, Brian Winhorse reported that LeBron really likes his game and, they, and that the, he has tried to trade for Schroeder uh, in the past. And so this is a guy, Dennis Schroeder, who can still knock down three-pointers, now has a bit of that slow release, uh, but again, is going to be able to provide some secondary creation ability. Uh, his uh, mid-range uh, uh, pull-up has improved dr- drastically. We know he has one of the quickest first steps in the NBA and can get to the rim um, quite quickly and blow by uh, bigs and even uh, pre- pretty much anybody. He's got blow by ability on, which is uh, just fantastic. And, you know, although that three-pointer, uh, you know, the shot, uh, uh, the release is very slow, so it might not uh, provide as much versatility as someone like Danny Green who gets that shot off a little bit quicker. But Schroeder is still more than capable of knocking down threes at an acceptable clip to where you can't uh, necessarily go under uh, on him and you also can't uh, just leave him alone out there either. So... Uh, I like this trade for both sides. I thought both sides did very well. Lakers get a younger uh, shot-creating guard uh, who can uh, run the second unit or can play next to LeBron. I think that's a nice pickup there. They get younger. They get more athletic. And uh, OKC gets you know their uh, their coveted first-round pick, uh, number 28 uh, in the draft uh, t- today as I record this at 9.30 a.m. Uh, on the 18th of November. Uh, and and Danny Green, who also uh, could be flipped at the deadline. Obviously, Danny Green not necessarily fitting with the OKC timeline, so he will likely be moved one more time uh, for some more draft assets or a young or younger player or a combination of both. So, uh, again, Sam Presti, fantastic job to be able to extract assets out of a, a one year of Dennis Schroeder. And Lakers, great job to get younger uh, and be proactive, in my opinion, getting uh, a younger shot-creating uh, guard uh, that, can, that can take on more uh, ability as a primary point guard especially with LeBron aging you want to take him uh, I would think off the ball a little bit more and try to get him uh, sneak him some minutes more minutes of rest especially coming off uh, this shortened offseason uh, and LeBron getting to another final so great job from both teams here uh, in this trade I like uh, I like it for both okay now we're getting into a little bit more meaty trades here the Phoenix Suns and OKC have made another trade and now Phoenix is getting Chris one Chris Paul, Abdel Nader, and OKC is getting Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome, Jalen LeCue, and a first round pick. And the protections on this pick are important. So the first round pick is a 2022 first round pick protected one to twelve in 2022. 
if it falls within 1 to 12, it will be protected 1 through 10 in 2023. If it falls in 1 through 10 in 2023, it will be protected 1 through 8 in 2024 and if it falls between one and eight it will be unprotected in 2025 um let's start with uh the phoenix suns uh so the phoenix suns obviously looking to accelerate their timeline a little bit and they're going to get uh a chris paul who came off a rejuvenated season a healthy rejuvenated season at that um he's going to be you know 35 36 entering uh, this season, uh, more on the older side, but again, you pair him with uh, a Devin Booker who's sure to get better, a DeAndre Ayton who's going to love playing with a guy like Chris Paul as a pick and roll partner, uh, and you've also got you know a guy like you know Mikhail Bridges who showed a lot last year, um, and uh, you yeah you know presumably a guy like Dario Saric is going to come back for this roster as well, and so really quickly you start looking at you know these lineups you know. Um, Cameron Johnson, who's most likely going to start for this team. You still have Czech Diallo. Abdul Nader showed some things. Uh, if they can bring Javon Carter back, that's a nice backup point guard. Or Cameron Payne. Either either one of those. Uh, so there's some, And you still have the 10th pick in the draft this year, which I thought was very nice uh, for the Suns to keep in this deal as well. So, you know, you've got some pieces here. If you're the Phoenix Suns to go out and make some noise in that Western Conference and, and possibly sneak in to a playoff spot at the bottom there. So they accelerate their timeline a little bit. And so a lot of the times when teams do this, you think, okay, they must have given up some real assets to be able to do this. Well, let's look a little bit deeper here. What did... Phoenix really give up to get a couple years of Chris Paul and a couple years of uh, playoff experience, essentially, or hopefully we'll, we'll say, uh, some competitive basketball experience, we'll call it, for a guy like Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Well, they gave up uh, They gave up Ricky Rubio, who's making uh, about $17 million, uh, this coming this coming season, and then $17.8 million next season. Now, that's probably a negative value contract for a guy like Ricky Rubio who really mucks up your spacing uh, isn't, and doesn't defend uh, at the level he once was. Uh, but not not terribly negative contract, uh, negative value contract, but I would say negative. $17 million for next year for Ricky Rubio, I would say, is a lot. You're giving up Kelly Oubre, who is probably the best asset in this, but again, this is the last year of Oubre's deal, and he's and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent the following year. So unless you were prepared to uh, properly pay Kelly Oubre, who's probably going to be asking should he play well this year, uh, something in the twenty million dollar range, that's good. That could get very expensive. And then a guy you know like Ty Jerome, who was just drafted this year, didn't really get on the floor, didn't really play uh, very well when he did get on the floor. And a guy, another guy like Jalen Lequeux, who saw no minutes, who is basically just an athletic. Uh, project at this point, and I'll emphasize athletic because he is extremely athletic. You should go look at look up some of the YouTube clips of this guy. He's unbelievable. Uh, but again, more of an athletic project than a value asset at this point. And then the only other asset you give up is a, a first-round pick in 2020, uh, 2022 protected 1 through 12. Now, again, this is not uh, this is not this year's pick. This is not next year's pick. It's the year after. So that is where it could get, you know, just a little bit dangerous here. Because again, you, we understand Chris Paul only on his deal for this year. He's got a player option that is he's almost guaranteed to pick up for next year, and then in 2022, he's off the books. Right, 2022, 2023, he's off the books. So that's something you have to think about here. Is that in the um, 
Uh, you 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 will let you most likely will get Chris Paul in his last season playing. So you'll have Chris Paul on your team uh, during the season in which you will be uh, seated for that 2022 pick, which is good. But if that doesn't convey, uh, if that if that doesn't convey, then you might be uh, in for uh, a bit of a lottery pick in 2023. Uh, so that's something you have to think about: is that an aging Chris Paul. Uh, probably is going to be 36-37 on your team uh, when that uh, first pick protection uh, comes into question in 22, and then uh, he won't be on your team at all in 23 uh, and when that's 1 through 10 protected. So that probably at worst will become uh, the 11th pick, I would say. Uh, I don't foresee uh, the Suns being good enough to where, uh, you know, it's a, or bad enough, I should say, to where it's 1 through 8 in 2024 and unprotected in 2025. I, I foresee that pick being... Uh, conveyed in 2022 or 2023, but again, that's so far out. You just you just never know at this point. So we'll see uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I like I like this move for the Suns and for OKC. Again, they're stockpiling another first round pick for them. A great work there. They get some younger guys on their team uh, in Ubre, Jerome, and LeCue, all of which could be building blocks for them going forward. And we'll have opportunities to play and get on the floor and show that they could be a part of this OKC team going forward. And a guy like Ricky Rubio, who, again, will just kind of uh, mesh these pieces together. Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio is still a good point guard at this point in his career, and he'll be able to kind of mesh things together here. Um, for the uh, for sorry for the Oklahoma City Thunder to kind of turn these pieces into something more uh, than just uh, the parts individually making uh, making it the sum of his parts I should say so that's something uh, that definitely has to be taken into account here uh, if you're OKC getting Ricky Rubio is that it's going to make this team look a lot better uh, than they would be without him. But a nice get for OKC, uh, good asset haul here for a, a guy like CP3 who was considered last year to be a, a sub substantially negative value contract, uh, revives his career, well not revives his career, I shouldn't say that, that's not true, uh, revives his trade value I should say uh, in one year in OKC where he makes all NBA second team and now he's flipped for a first round pick and some young assets. So nice job here by Sam Presti, uh, nice job by James Jones and the Phoenix front office here, and I think that both of these uh, these teams have won this trade, and they got some uh, the good pieces back that I think both of them will be happy with. So, kudos to them. Okay, we got three trades left, and I'm not sure where to go here because all of them kind of involve like uh, like a bit of a, a lengthy discussion. So, all right, let, let's start with the Rockets. So it's a smaller trade, but it leads to a bigger discussion. Clearly, um, okay, so the Rockets are getting. Uh, they trade with the Blazers. The Rockets are getting Trevor Ariza is returning to the Rockets. And they are also getting uh, the 2020 first round pick from the Blazers, which is number 16 in the draft tonight. And a 2021 protected first round pick. Uh, the protections of that 2021 pick right now are unknown. So for Houston here, and I guess it's only right to start with them. Russell Westbrook has decided he does not want to play in Houston anymore. James Harden has decided he wants to be shipped to Brooklyn. And so it's it's clear that uh, a an, an mini implosion, I guess if you want to call it, is occurring uh, at the moment. And it's, uh, it's, it's tough sledding right now for the Houston Rockets. So the thing here is, is like... Like, a lot of people are quick to jump on the trade machine. They say, oh, I want to trade this guy uh, for Harden or send Westbrook here or any of that. Um, 
I need, I need y'all to understand that both of these guys have two years plus a player option left on their deals. Um, so they don't have to be traded anywhere. Nobody has to be traded anywhere. Like, they, like Houston could just go into the season with two disgruntled stars in Westbrook and Harden and just say, you know, we're just going to run it. We're just, we're just going to run this back. We'll see, how, we'll see how disgruntled you really are. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So that is that, that to me is a little interesting. I think personally, um, I wouldn't trade either one of them. Uh, and I say that specifically for what, uh, specifically for Harden, I should say, because uh, right now, if he wants to go to the Brooklyn Nets, first of all, you have no leverage to trade, right? He said he wants out. He said he wants to only go to the Nets. This is very similar to the Anthony Davis trade, right? Package, right? Where like you really don't have leverage to go anywhere because he only wants to go to one team. You know, he wants to go, Harden only wants to go to one team. He's made it very clear he already wants to go to Brooklyn. You're not getting back Kyrie and KD. So if you're Houston, you're probably going to want like a younger player in the realm of maybe Dinwiddie or Levert or both. And on top of that, you're going to want a, a lot, a lot, a lot of first round picks. Like a lot of first round picks, like at least three. At least three, I would guess. And the protections, you can haggle with them or some pick swaps in between, you know, something. Something to just retool that war chest of draft picks that you had to basically get rid of uh, for Russell Westbrook and, you know, Robert Covington. So, you know, it was a nice job in this specific trade, at least, to get two first-round picks back for uh, Covington, who you traded Capella and a first for. And it's a it's like a fringe lottery pick too in 2020. And again, the 2021 uh, pick is still like to be determined in terms of the, in terms of the protections. But good job getting a first round pick back here for Robert Covington, um, and getting Trevor Ariza, who is a uh, you know similar to Robert Covington, but not exactly the same. Um, so to me, I like this trade for the Rockets. Uh, this whole, like, should you trade hard in Westbrook thing? Uh, to me, it's no, uh, because you know, you're going to have to give up assets to get off of Westbrook. He's probably the worst contract in the NBA at this point, in my opinion. Um, he just, again, he just last year just showed like, he's basically like a center at this point. Like you just, he can't shoot from the outside. Uh, his only value has to, ha- has to be with the ball in his hands. So if, if Russell Westbrook is not running the show, with the ball in his hands at all time as a point guard who can't shoot and basically is just a, a slasher and attacker, um, not only can he not shoot, but you have to have shooting around him or else he mucks up the spacing and you can't, uh, he can't get to the rim, uh, you know, like he like he can so very well. Again, that was part of the reason they traded away Capella to bring in Covington because you can't have two non-shooters on the floor in Houston system. Now, is Houston system going to be the same with uh, Steven Silas in here instead of Mike D'Antoni? Like, these are all questions that, like, are just so, um, you know, uncertain here. Like, they just compound the uncertainty here for the Rockets. And that's why I wouldn't get rid of either of these guys. Uh, personally, I'm letting the season play out. I want to see what a year... I, I want to see what Westbrook can do to try to recoup his value um, this year. And uh, Harden, to me, hasn't, uh, you know, he's still James Harden. He's still probably the best offensive player in the league. But um, he, if, if his only destination is Brooklyn, then and Brooklyn's not willing to give up what you want, then, well, we're just going to keep James Harden. Because I'm, I'm not giving up uh, a franchise-changing uh, generational talent like him uh, just to just because he wants to go somewhere. You know, I kind of remember kind of remember when Kobe Bryant asked for a trade um, to the you know from the front office, and basically the Bus family said, "Hey, look, we're not going to get back what 
your worth, so we're just not going to trade you. And I think they should probably do the same with James Harden. And for Russell Westbrook, like again, he's the worst contract in the NBA at this at this point, in my opinion. So for me, uh, you just hope that he gets better. And even if he doesn't get better, at least you have one less year uh, off of that deal if you keep him this coming season. And so at least he's not as bad of a deal because you don't have to deal with you know 40, uh, 41 million, 44 million, and then 47 million. You really only have to deal uh, with 44 and 47 million uh, should you were, should you trade him next offseason. And, uh, you know, maybe a team wants to take him on. Maybe there's a Charlotte Hornets, you know, Jordan Brand athlete. Michael Jordan seems to be interested in Westbrook. Um, you know, put some bums in seats, maybe not this year, but maybe next year uh, and beyond. Uh, so maybe there, there's some appeal there for uh, a team like the Knicks or the, the, the Hornets. Uh, but me, I'm not trading Russell Westbrook uh, at this point because I don't think you're getting any – I think you're going to have to – you're going to have to give assets to get off him, and I'm not doing that uh, for Russ. And for Harden, he he's basically just killed all his leverage, and you're not getting back uh, what he's going to be worth, so I'm not trading him either. Um, so I wouldn't trade either one if I were them. And uh, just going back to the – sorry, I know I got off topic here talking about uh, leverage plays and asset value contracts and stuff like that when we're, really, we're supposed to be talking about trades, but – uh, this Rockets trade, I think, is actually a good piece of business for Houston uh, to get off of Covington, understand that the implosion is coming, get back two first-round picks, and Trevor Ariza, who could be, again, flipped at the deadline for another uh, piece of draft equity, uh, I think is a nice little move here for the Rockets. And for the Blazers, to get Robert Covington, you know, I um, I don't know what the Blazers would have done with that 16th pick in the draft this year, but... You know, the Blazers, a lot of their problem came last year defensively. Um, and so if you're going to get now a guy, you know, we know what the book is here on Robert Covington, a, a fantastic help defender and a subpar on-ball defender. Now, uh, you still have a guy like Nasir Little who can hopefully hopefully take a step. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. showed quite a bit last year. He uh, maybe could be in the starting lineup uh, defensively. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is now going to have a full healthy year coming back. Zach Collins is going to be back in the mold. So you've got some things here along with Covington that makes this team a little bit more intriguing defensively. Which is good, and uh, we'll see how this uh, we'll see how this plays out uh, for Portland. But not bad. I, 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 uh, an okay risk here for Portland. I want to see the, the the protections on the first round, the 2021 first round pick, to see if I really like it or not. Uh, but not a bad risk here for Portland until uh, until I see otherwise. So again, Rockets get Trevor Ariza. Uh, the 16th pick in uh, tonight's draft, and the 2021 first-round pick uh, protected. The protections are unknown, and the Blazers are getting Robert Covington. Okay. Whew. The Bucks now. The Bucks made two significant trades uh, last. Uh, it was last night, I think. So they let's start with the the more minor one. Okay, so the the minor the more minor one is. The Bucks are getting Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings, and the Sacramento Kings in return are getting Dante DiVincenzo, Ursan Ilyasova, and DJ Wilson. Now, part of the reason the the Bucks did this is because they needed an on-ball creator. They needed something. Uh, somebody that was going to be able to run a pick and roll at a high level um, that you can't go under on. I mean, you are you are clearly able to go under the screen. On a guy like Eric Bledsoe, uh, and uh, he's just shown to not play well in uh, past playoffs, which is uh, you know somewhat of a problem, uh, I would say, especially with uh, the um, 
aspirations that Milwaukee has specifically. So that was a bit of an issue, uh, in my opinion. And now you get a guy, um, and again, I know I'm, I'm kind of leaking into the other trade here. I understand that. And we'll, we'll explain why there's no more Eric Bledsoe in a second, but, um, you now get a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's uh, shown a lot more propensity to be an on-ball creator, to be a uh, to be a score, an off-the-dribble scorer, uh, a playmaker to some extent. Uh, just something that you can get as a bit of an upgrade uh, in terms of a, a younger player uh, that can really bring in a lot more here for the Milwaukee Bucks, in my opinion. And again, you're giving up on Dante DiVincenzo and DJ Wilson. Sure, Ersan Ilyasova to me, not really much of an asset uh, in my opinion. Uh, and again, we don't know what the contract is for uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, so I want to see what the sign and trade salary is there. That's going to be uh, extremely important uh, because if you gave up uh, Dante DiVincenzo and DJ Wilson to sign uh, Bogdanovich to what is what would be considered a negative value contract, then that might be something uh, we need to review in terms of what um, what this trade looks like. So that trade is also in cahoots with another Bucks trade where the the Milwaukee Bucks are getting Drew Holiday, the Pel- and the, they're trading him. Uh, they're trading to the Pelicans, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and this is where this is where it gets kind of nuts. So they're also trading the twenty uh, a twenty twenty first round pick via Indiana, I believe. Uh, that was number nineteen, um, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just double check that um, very very quickly. So I they're trading the the pick uh, via Indiana in this year's draft to the New Orleans Pelicans, and obviously my sheets would not be loading when I'm trying. To look at this, which is kind of annoying, but okay. So I'll update you on what that is in a second. They have the a pick swap right in 2024, a 2025 unprotected first round pick, a 2026 swap right, and a 2027 unprotected first round pick. Now, this is huge. This is huge here for. Uh, this is a huge haul here for the Pelicans, and you know, for the for the Bucks to get back a guy. You know, like Drew Holiday is is a significant asset. Don't get me wrong, but again, Drew Holiday is only on this team for one more year. Uh, one more year at uh, twenty nine million uh, th- this coming season, and essentially uh, he's at, he has a player option next year, and and that's it, and that's it. So you've traded all of this uh, draft equity. You know, the the first in this draft, the unprotected in 2025, the unprotected in 27, and the swap rights in 24 and 26. You traded all of that for one year of Drew Holiday. And so you ask why. Drew Holiday can't be worth all of these assets. And you're right, he's not. He's not. But what is worth it is that if you do all this to keep Giannis out in a coupon, get him to sign the five-year max, Supermax to stay in Milwaukee, well then, now we're talking about a different situation. And this is where we get into a bit of a deeper conversation to me about, like, what are we doing here, uh, NBA, in terms of trying to keep these players uh, in, in small markets? This Supermax, to me, is clearly not working. Let me tell you why, okay? The incentive for the player to stay with their specific team and again, this and the supermax is eligible. Again, let's let's go over the supermax. The supermax is eligible for players who have had ten plus years of service in the NBA, or have uh, made either All NBA, MVP, defense or Defensive Player of the Year in two of the last three seasons. 
okay? Two of the last three seasons, you have to have made one of those designations. Obviously, Giannis, back-to-back MVP. We know he's going to, we know he is super max, 35% super max eligible. Uh, that's no brainer. So I think what the difference is, is if you sign the super max with your team, you get the fifth year, you get something like $80 million more uh, to stay with the other team, and then the and then if you were to sign with uh, somebody else instead, it would be a four-year deal uh, with about eighty million dollars less. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me uh, to necessarily give you the exact. You know, it's like two hundred million something for the supermax and a hundred and uh, you know fifty something million um, for four years to sign with another team. Okay, so that's what we're looking at here. So right now. That has to be, that's the incentive. That is what the NBA has said. This is the incentive for them to stay. You get the fifth year of security at the 35% max number, and we give you, we're able to give you 35% of the salary cap, where you only get, I think, about 30 if you were to sign with another team. Okay, we get the, we get the incentive, right? It's about, 80, it's about $80 million. $80 million and a fifth year of security. This is not the case in terms of what's happening right now. Because look at what the Bucks are having to do to keep Giannis Antetokounmpo. And yes, some of it has to do with the fact that the Bucks have underperformed in the playoffs the last few years. Some of, the, some of it has to do with the fact that Giannis is a superstar that cares about winning more than he does about money. Because he's made enough money already in his career. And considering um, the place that he came from, he is, uh, he, he is very, he's a very humbled human being to his credit. And um, money doesn't mean a lot to him because he's already had more. He already has more money than he ever thought he would ever have uh, coming from historian Greece. So he's motivated by winning. And the Bucks have have come up short. We know they you know lost to Miami in five games in the second round. Like that should not make Giannis happy. But for the Bucks to have to do all of this, okay, for the Bucks to have and again, let's let's be fair. The Bucks have not shown a propensity to pay the luxury tax either. That if ownership is not willing to pay the luxury tax while a superstar is in the mold and they have a chance of winning, that could make that uh, that star very disgruntled. See the James Harden example that I just uh, pointed out to you and Tillman Fertitta being the owner there. So between all of that for Giannis, now the that's not enough. The Bucks also have to basically mortgage their future to convince Giannis that, hey, we are serious about winning. And like, yes, you're serious about winning in the short term. I get that. But a, tw- but a 2027 unprotected first, like that's seven years from now. How do you know what's going to happen seven years from now? Giannis won't even be on the contract that he's hopefully going to sign seven years from now. 2025 unprotected first. Giannis will be in the last year of his deal. Presumably, he's going to get a player option on the last year of that deal as well. Now, that's not a that's not a good thing, you know. And the right to swap picks in 2024 and 2026, the right to swap picks with the Pelicans should they choose. So they do all of this to appease Giannis. And my question is, is if you have to mortgage your future like this to keep superstars like in the building in terms of keeping superstars in small markets. So not only do you have to give them the fifth year, the $80 million more, but now the the Bucks are also showing we also have to mortgage our future into the next seven years to be able to keep our superstar in a small market. Like this is a problem to me. 
this shows uh, this shows a uh, uh, this shows the NBA. This should show the NBA that this is a problem in terms of what are they going to do to keep these stars in these markets? Because what the what the the Milwaukee Bucks just did to try and keep Giannis to me uh, shouldn't have to happen. You shouldn't have to give picks out all the way out there. Um, to make sure that your superstar stays uh, so he doesn't go and sign somewhere else because Drew Holiday is not worth this package right like i think like i don't think anybody disagrees with that statement Drew Holiday is not worth Eric Bledsoe George Hill uh, the 2021 uh, 2024 swap right 2025 unprotected 2026 swap right 2027 unprotected that they are not worth it they is not worth that uh, for uh, a guy like uh, Drew Holiday. And that's no slight on Drew Holiday. He is a fantastic player. He is a fantastic player. And he is going to fit this team very, very well. He's going to be a guy that uh, you know can defend uh, on, the, on the wing. He's a guy that can knock down shots, that can run a pick and roll. Uh, it's very, uh, to me, it's uh, very, very... Uh, uh, it's, it's very, very valuable what a guy like Drew Holiday can bring to this team. But right now, he is not worth that, right? He's not worth that. And um, it looks like the pick that New Orleans is getting is number 24. Number 24 in this draft. So, a, a, you know, a late first rounder, essentially. But that's besides the point. This is a problem. This, this to me, is a problem for the league. Um, I, I want to see what the next superstar uh, Max Superstar, who uh, is in danger of signing elsewhere, I want to see what their team has to do to keep them because this to me is this to me is crazy. This this to me is crazy. Um, I would assume that it's a no brainer at this point that Giannis is now signing with the Bucks for Supermax because if he does not sign with the Bucks for the Supermax and they gave up all this, this is a disaster. This is a complete disaster. This is a Brooklyn Nets Boston Celtics trade situation with the Kevin Garnett the Paul Pierce trade. This is this this gets to be in that territory, and again, uh, if you're the if you're the Bucks, you're not a big market. No, people don't necessarily want to come and play in Milwaukee uh, like that unless you're they're playing beside a superstar. And and you know and you know what the worst part about this is? The worst part about this is is Giannis can sign that supermax, that five year supermax, and decide two years later he wants out. There's nothing stopping him from doing that. There's nothing stopping him from saying two years after he gets the 35% max with the full five years and the player option of the last year to just say, no, nah, I don't want to play Milwaukee anymore. So, trade me. And then what is Milwaukee going to do? Then they still gave up all these draft assets and they did it for two years of Giannis. No guarantee of a championship, especially with you know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving uh, in the East with Boston stacking their war chest with young players uh, with uh, with Philly looking to you know make more moves and breathing down their neck and not to mention the Western Conference, which is just nuts, uh, filled with players filled with uh, big time assets over there. Uh, so that's a problem too, right? That that's that, that's a problem too. So if if they, if he just decides that hey I want out like I don't want to play here anymore, well that's that's huge. That's a that's a massive problem to me. Uh, and I think the league is gonna have to look at that. So sorry, that's my rant on Giannis and why I think it's a problem that the Bucks had to do all this to keep him. Um, 
Uh, is it worth it for the Bucks? I mean, again, I don't know. You know, Giannis seems to be a loyal guy. He seems to be a guy that would project loyalty toward a team. Um, I, I would guess if he signs that five-year max, he will play out the contract. And if that's the case, then yeah, I think this was well, I think this was worth it. I think this is worth it. Assuming he signs and plays out the full five years of his contract, yes, this was worth it. A guy like Drew Holiday is a fantastic player. Uh, the Bucks now become an instant contender in the Eastern Conference. Not to, to say, excuse me, not to say that they weren't before, but they're an, an instant contender with the additions of Holiday and Bogdanovich in the Eastern Conference. Now. What they do have to take in consideration is the Bogdanovich sign-and-trade now hard caps them at the apron. Uh, so when you make a sign-and-trade, you are essentially what's called hard capped, uh, which means you cannot go over the salary uh, tax apron, which is about $6 million above the tax. You cannot go over that number for any reason, and that, clu- that includes incentives, that includes... Uh, that includes minimums, that includes exceptions, that includes the full thing. You cannot exceed that 138.9 number. And so right now, the Bucks have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 players right now. Um, or not even 7 players. It looks like 5 players. Or 6 players, sorry. 6 players right now. Oh no, it is 7. With Thanasis and Justin James at 7. Okay, so 7 players right now under contract. Okay, They need to find six more players uh, to make the minimum uh, roster of 13. And they're right now at, uh, what are they, apron room. They have about $14.2 million to get to that number. $14.2 million for about six players. Uh, and uh, that includes two-way guys as well. That includes two-way guys. So they got Frank Mason and Cam Reynolds on a two-way, which they'll be able to use uh, on their roster, which will help them. And so they've got to fill out with a bunch of minimums now. Uh, I think it does make, I think now this does make them a little bit more of an attractive destination for those minimum contracts. For buyouts, they could also be um, another more attractive destination. Hopefully they could bring back, I see this is a problem too. A guy like Wesley Matthews is not coming back for the minimum. Um, maybe if Pat Connaughton comes back for the minimum, I don't think Kyle Korver is coming back. Maybe Sterling Brown comes back for the minimum. Marvin Williams has retired. So they're going to have to go and find some players uh, to fill out this roster. And luckily, they'll be a, an attractive buyout destination uh, because there's going to be, um, uh, not only are they a championship contender, but they're all, they can also guarantee a lot of playing time, uh, which is um, which is something that's uh, pretty rare uh, for a team like Milwaukee in this scenario. So again, the Bucks get Bogdan Bogdanovich in a side and trade. Uh, the Kings uh, with a nice return here uh, from uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Ersan Ilyasova, DJ Wilson. Assuming Bogdanovich did not want to sign with the Kings, two nice pieces in DiVincenzo and Wilson to go go back to Sacramento to see what they have in them. Nice piece of business there. And the Bucks are also getting Drew Holiday. Uh, we talked about uh, what I think about him and the Pelicans. Um, with a with a, an insane return, like the, the they they won this the, this little trade podcast here. They did the best out of everybody, getting Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, a twenty uh, the twenty fourth pick in the draft this year, twenty twenty four swap rate, twenty twenty five uh, first uh, first round unprotected, twenty twenty six swap rate, twenty twenty seven first round unprotected. That is a haul for one year of Drew Holiday. 
We understand why that is. Uh, a lot of this was uh, a lot of these moves between Bogdanovich and Drew Holiday were aimed at keeping Giannis and adding some significantly good players. Uh, you know, Bogdanovich obviously going to be on the roster for a little bit, but only one guaranteed year of Drew Holiday here. Um, and again, this was done to keep Giannis happy and get him to sign that five-year supermax to stay with the team. Um, so th- that was the main thinking here behind um, uh, th- these two trades for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and yeah, so that'll wrap it up for this trades podcast. Uh, did about 40 minutes here on the trades. Uh, we're probably going to have another podcast tomorrow. Uh, actually, oh, wait, we've got news here. Hold on, one more trade. The New York Knicks are moving up in today's draft, uh, acquiring the Utah Jazz pick at number 23 for number 27 and 38. So the Knicks are now picking at number tw- number 8 and number 23 in tonight's draft. You wonder if they're going to package 8 and 23 to move up another spot, perhaps, in this draft. We will we will see. But right now, the Utah, the Utah Jazz um, uh, are getting picks 27 and 38, and the New York Knicks are picking at number 23. Okay, so draft is tonight. Uh, we will. Ha- I will have a podcast up tomorrow with Nick Raponi, uh, as I usually do, um, to go over the draft picks, who fits where, who are our favorite guys, this, that, and the other. I think that'll be a good one. As usual, Nick follows. Uh, he writes for Busting Brackets, and he follows the uh, the NCAA pretty well. Knows these guys a lot better than I do. Uh, so we will see uh, what happens there. There's sure to be more trades to go over as well. And uh, and then free agency starts like a day after. So like uh, on Friday at Friday at 6 p.m. So it's coming fast and furious here. Um, it's it's going to be tough to uh, it's going to be tough to keep up. But we I will do my best to to keep up with all this sort of stuff. And nonetheless, there's going to be podcast after podcast coming here from the ISO Ball Pod to try and cover all of this stuff going down. So thanks so much for listening. This is just the tip of the iceberg, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Till then.